Well, we don't have a lot of time, and that's okay. We've been talking a lot about the process of the Lord really dealing with stuff in our lives so that we can get to where he's taking us. And uh, there is an amazing move of God that uh, is coming. And I know for me personally, and I believe even for this church, there's something getting released in the springtime around May. Uh, the Lord's given me some timing and some things. And, and, but when the Lord started giving me that, he started telling me that I needed to, I had, when he first gave it to me, it was two years. And then each time, that time as time kept progressing, he kept highlighting this timetable about getting all my doors closed. You know, anything that could cause, basically, you know, Paul talked about how we're not to give the devil a foothold. And you know that we do give the devil a foothold when we, and in that case, what Paul was saying, he was talking about, talking about not being angry. And there's things that we do that give the devil a foothold. When Satan was in the garden as the serpent and the curse came because of the disobedience that Adam allowed Satan to have authority when he obeyed him, what happened? There was a curse that came. And what it said about Satan, the serpent, it says that he would be on his belly or on the ground and he would eat the dust of the earth. What was, what was he saying there? What he was saying was that the serpent had legal permission now to feed on the dust of the earth. Well, what is the dust of the earth? The dust of the earth is what we're made out of. And it was cursed in that whole process. If you're not following me, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, um, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the cursed earth, which we're made out of, which is a representative, it, it, it represents, it's a metaphor, the flesh, the carnal man, that part of us that has sin dwelling in it. And when we allow things in our lives that are carnal, that are not in the spirit, but in the flesh, then Satan actually has a right to feed on that. And so we can give the enemy plenty of food to eat sometimes. Um, I didn't, I wasn't planning on going to the scripture, so if you want to, but I'm, I feel like I should probably. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to go over to Joshua, and I actually have to find the exact chapter and verse because I wasn't planning on sharing this, but it's in Joshua. Um, let's see here. Now, the book of Joshua, I think, is a prophetic picture of where we're at. Moses has died. The children of Israel has spent 40 years wandering in the desert because they rejected their opportunity to enter in what the Lord had because they didn't walk by faith. They didn't obey the Lord. And let me tell you, faith and obedience are the same thing. And obedience is faith, and faith is obedience. And so what we find ourselves in Joshua the book of Joshua, we find that God is once again about to take the children of Israel into the promised land. This was the land that God had promised them. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was going to be the land that God was establishing to them forever. And they had to go in and take the land. 
but there was a minor little problem. The people that were born in the wilderness had never been circumcised, the males. And so God said that when we, before you can go into Jericho and fight this first battle, you have got to be circumcised. And so they had a day that was uh, in, in Gilgal where they were, where they had went across the, the uh, Jordan River and they camped at Gilgal. And they're there, the scripture talks about them rolling away the reproach of Egypt. See, the reproach of Egypt is really our carnal nature. Egypt represents the world. You know, when we talk about the world, the love of the world, First John talks about the things in the world, the, love, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They're all, that basically is the three roots of all sin, which all come back to the fall where man ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they began to look at themselves. And so at this place, and I think it, I still haven't found the exact scripture. That's why I was paraphrasing most of it. But at this place, if someone wants to find it, they can shout it out. But it's in the first couple chapters of Joshua where God, yeah, Joshua 5. That's deeper than I thought. That's why I couldn't find it. Yeah, Israel circumcised. Yeah, Joshua 5. I'm, that's it. <clears throat> and so in Joshua 5, you can, you can see this. Joshua circumcised all the children of Israel. And I believe that's where we're at as a church. I believe it's where we're at as the church in the world. Judgment begins with the household of God. And when I say that, let me explain something to you. That is not a bad thing. Most people have such a um, misunderstanding of God's love and his heart that when they hear judgment, it immediately brings condemnation of fear. I want the judgment of God. I desire it. I ask for it. God's judgment is not him being angry at you and coming and slamming his hammer down on you. God's judgment is saying, look, this is right, this is wrong, this brings life, this produces death. You have things in your life that are producing death, and I love you so much, so I want you to know that this is wrong, and I need you to come this way for your own benefit. See, God told the children of Israel, I'm putting before you life and death, you choose. You see, judgment is not a bad thing. Now, it can be a bad thing. If you stiffen your neck and you're rebellious and hard-hearted, and you insist on doing things that are wrong in the eyes of the Lord, then, yeah, it can be, it can be hard. But you know what? Even the areas that I was stiff-necked when the Lord did judge me, it broke off of me in my life, and it caused greater breakthrough in my life. I would rather the Lord crush me and me get things right in my life than to keep going the wrong way and end up the Lord's going this way and I veer off and the next thing I know I wake up 20 years later and I'm not even I'm nowhere near him I want to be near him but what the Lord is about to release in our life as believers if we're not circumcised of heart if we have not cut away our flesh then the very power that God is going to release for us the only reason God releases power is for love and if we 
are not walking in the love of God, both knowing his love for us, consumed, being consumed by his love for us, and then us in turn being consumed by love for one another, that when God releases the authority that he's about to release on the church, then we'll end up using that authority to hurt one another and even kill one another. Now, I, may not, I don't mean literally, but it, in the end result is the same. It produces death when we use the sword of the Lord. When the flesh is yielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you say, yeah, the flesh can't wield the Spirit. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. There's examples of it. Look at Samson. He walked an incredible anointing of the Lord, and yet he had major sin in his life. It ended up costing him his life. It produced death in his own life. You look at Saul in the Bible. You know, he, he, look at the death that Saul released into Israel because he had the anointing of God as king, but yet he did not have the heart of God. And so um, we need to understand authority. So what am I saying? I'm excited because it, the Lord has told me that I needed to get all this stuff dealt with in my life. So I've been seeking the Lord. Lord, show me things that I don't see about me and deal with them. Get them out of my life. And you know what he's done? He's shown me things that I didn't see about me. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, is that really there? I'm like, wow, God, I had no idea I had this going on inside of me. I have never, I started praying for God's judgment in my life. I want to be changed. I don't want things in my life that aren't like him. I want to be faithful that when people, when I minister to people, they're really getting the Lord and not me. And I'm not there. So this is what Justin Perry calls preaching where you're reaching. Okay, I'm preaching where I'm reaching. I'm not claiming to have this down. I'm claiming that this is where I'm heading. And I want us to get free from anything and everything that hinders us from walking in the love that God has for the world, for our body, for our, his people, and most of all, him. If I love him, I'm not going to do wicked things. I'm not. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. I want to love him. He is worthy of that love, and I love him because he first loved me. So first, I have to know his love, and then I can love him, and then as I love him, I will stop doing the things that hurt him. Okay, so that... We are at Gilgal where the Lord is dealing with the flesh, all right? Because as we get this circumcision done in our hearts, we'll be better prepared for the promises of God when they come in our lives. Now, um, man, I do not have time. Um, and that's okay. Just trying to think where to, where to stop this. Um, I may share on this some more. But let me just throw a few things out at you. How many know Psalm 91? Psalms 91. I was thinking about Psalms 27 today. I think Josh mentioned it, or somebody mentioned it from the worship team. Um, I was literally reading that this morning, thinking about that. But I think Psalms 27 and Psalms 91, they have some ways that they go together. But what I want to talk to you just briefly, and I'm not going to be long, I don't think. I'm really not. Uh, really trying not to go long. Um, but it's imperative that we learn to abide in him. In Psalms 91, 
we're going to read that in a minute, but I just want us to look at that because Psalms 91 is the promises from God that we can use to stay protected in the midst of troubled times. We are in troubled times. I'm telling you guys, war is upon us in our country. I believe that with all my heart. I believe, I, this is my opinion. I believe we will see civil war in our country. I've been, telling, I've been saying that for years. I know Rick's had an incredible prophetic revelation on it. I was dreaming about civil war back in the 90s. Didn't know what it meant. I was like, well, that couldn't happen. There's no way that could happen. But it, it's going to happen. If it, if it causes us to fear, that's just a revelation of where our trust is. Right? So what I'm going to, when, when we have fear and, and all these things that rises up, th- that should be something that kind of jolts us into the place where we're like, wait a minute, I'm not really abiding in the Lord. And that's okay. Say, Lord, I'm not abiding in you. I got fear going on. Would you help me? See, he's a great helper. Holy Spirit was given to be a great helper. It's not about beating us up about where we're at. It's just about taking the hand up so that we can go where we need to go. So he's not beating us up. He's trying to help us. But in Psalms 91, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. That's his wings, his feathers. And under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or the error that flies by day. Of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down, because he has loved me. Do y'all hear that? Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Why will he deliver them? Huh? No, no, hold on a minute. Y'all, y'all think you're getting it mixed up. Let me read it again. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Why is the Lord delivering this person in Psalms 91? Because they love God. Yes. Just, just want to make sure we're on the same page. Our love for the Lord, I think, sways God's heart. Man, that, that kid loves me. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. I, I did this last week. You know, I brought Lindsay up here. Um, she come here again. You don't mind because I know how much you love this. 
Lindsay, hurry. <laughs> All right. So this is my wife. She, she, like, I'm, you see my wing? I'm a chicken. Here's my wing, right? Now, she's under, she's under the shelter of my wing right now. Y'all see that? Now, what does that tell us? Now, we're, we're, I'm looking at the imagery that the Psalms 91 gives us. It says, under his pinions, I will seek refuge under his wings. So you ever see like a mother hen, like she'll, she'll gather her chicks in her wings, you know, to protect them. She brings them in. What does that tell you? Thank you. <laughs> Don't give me that face. You know you loved it. <laughs> uh, what does that tell us? That's right. That's right. That's the key of it all. There are people who know the Lord by the hearing of the ear, but they don't know him. They're not close with him. Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And they said, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not cast out devils? And he said, away from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Intimacy. And that word know is the Greek word that Mary says, I never knew a man. When the angel came and she wanted to know how she, how she was going to you know, give birth to the Son of God, she's like, well, how can that be? Because I never knew a man. It's a knowing that is so intimate. You have to, it's an experiential knowledge. It's the same word that Paul used in Ephesians 3. And he says that we might experientially know the love of God that surpasses mere knowledge that we might be filled up to the very fullness of God. It's that knowing. It's not a knowing in your head. It's an experience. You have to experience what Mary, you know, when, when Mary was saying, I never knew a man to receive uh, uh, the implanting of the, what happens at pregnancy, conception, you have to experience it. Well, the same thing's true of God's love. We have to experience the love of God. And so as we're talking about abiding in the Lord, abiding, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and abides in the shadow of the Almighty, this promise of protection is not for any Christian. It's not. We use it like that, but he makes it very clear. It's for those that are abiding in him. The question is, are we abiding in him? Jesus said to abide in me. John 15, abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will and it will be done. You wonder why we're not seeing whatever we're asking happening? It's because we're not abiding and his word's not abiding in us. Because if you abide in him and his word's abide in you, you can ask whatever you want and it's going to happen. Now, I don't mean whatever you want. Because what I mean by that is when you are abiding in him, now you only want what he wants because you've been so transformed by his heart that now you only want to see his will be done. And there is a transition in God's people where we're no longer consuming our life with, Lord, give me this, give me that, but it's, Lord, what can I give you? Lord, let your desire be met. And God wants to give us things. You know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But, 
but there's a shift in our heart when we've spent time with him and we really begin to see him as he is and really understood what he did for us. That we no longer, when we are overwhelmed by the goodness of God in our own life, how can we dare see him as he is and only be consumed with what we want rather than what he wants? He paid for the price for us, and that's what he wants. So abiding in him, I was doing this with my kids at our Jesus time the, a few weeks ago. We were talking about this. Just throw this out there as an example, and I'm going to wrap this up. If I am abiding in the Lord, I'm abiding in the Spirit. And we know the fruit of the Spirit, right? He made it so easy to understand if we're abiding. Here's how you know if you're abiding. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are you abiding in the Lord? Are you Is there fruit flowing out of your heart? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that flowing out of you? If it's not, then in reality, you're not abiding. Because that is the fruit of God's Spirit. If you're abiding in Him, then that's flowing out of you. And if you're not, then you're not. And if you're not, you've only got two positions. There's only two positions. You're either in the spirit or you're in the flesh. It's only one, one position or the other. You're in the spirit or you're in the flesh. Well, let's read about the flesh. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes, dissension, fashions, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I for, as of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Transitionally. When we said yes to Jesus and we were born again, our spirit man was made brand new, and we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Our spirit is perfect. When you're born again, your spirit man is perfect. But we have to decide, are we abiding in the spirit of God in our spirit man? Is the spirit rule in our life, or is the flesh rule in our life? If you sow to the flesh, to the flesh you'll reap corruption. If I'm... If I am under the shelter, okay, pretend like I'm under this wing of the shelter, right? And all of a sudden, I get ticked off, and I am out of my mind angry. Do you think I'm still, you think I'm here acting like that? Or have I stepped over here, away from that, and now I've went off in the flesh, So what I'm attempting to do, and hopefully by the grace of God, is to paint a picture that the way we're going to abide in the Lord, we have got to deal with the things of the flesh so that those aren't controlling us because when we're in the flesh, we're not under the wing. When we're in the flesh, we're not under the wing. We're giving the devil a foothold, as I said at the beginning. 
you have absolutely perfect protection from anything the devil can bring at you when you're under the wings, when you're abiding in the Spirit of God. But if you get into lust and you turn on that pornography that you wouldn't, shouldn't have done, it opens the doors to you. I know that from firsthand experience. When you open those doors, you just got outside the, the wings, and now the devil's going to have a field day with you, and he's got a right to because he feeds on the dust of the earth. He has permission to feed on that. We give him permission. You know, when Satan came to Jesus, well, I'll put it to you like this. Let's say it like this. When Jesus was talking to Peter about what was about to happen, how he was going to deny the Lord, he tells Peter, he says, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. If you look up that word, demanded permission, it is a legal term that means he had legal authority to demand that he could sift Peter. Why? Peter was, had so much pride going on. Lord, even though all these other chumps will deny you, I would never deny you. And the truth of the matter is that he didn't realize yet what his flesh was capable of. And so he, in his own strength, by his own pride, he thought he could never deny the Lord, not because of the Lord's gracious strength in his life helping him to do that, but because he thought there was something that resided good in him that he could never deny the Lord. And he had to find out very clearly what happens when you think that your flesh in of itself is good? Are y'all following me? And then his humility that came from his being humbled <laughs> in his denial, he learned a truth. There is nothing good in me. And when Jesus came to him to restore him, you don't see this in the English, but if you look it up in the Greek, this is how it went. Peter do you, do you love me? Well, that's what it says in English, but what it really says in the Greek, it says, Peter, are you, do you have a loving fondness of me? But it started off like this. It said, Peter, do you agape me? You know what agape means? It's a self-sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that God loves us with. It's the love that would lay down your life for the person that you love. So Jesus says, Peter, will you, do you agape me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Phileo, I'm, I'm fond of you. You know we're fond, I'm, I'm fond of you, Lord. But he could not say, yes, Lord, I agape you because he just experienced denying the Lord three times. He couldn't say it. Now he knew what was in him. And the Lord said again, do you agape me, Peter? Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. And then the third time he says, Peter, do you phileo me? And then Peter, within the scripture says, Peter was hurt when he asked the third time, do you phileo me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. He said, then feed my sheep. You can't, we got to come to our end so that we can draw on his strength to become what he wants us to be. And we can never, ever abide under the wing without the grace of God. But let me tell you something. He gives us his grace. And he wants to help us to learn to abide in the Spirit. But there is a group of Christians, and I'm just using a general term, that they, they want to walk with God without picking up their cross. And those people aren't going to make it in the days to come. 
And I'm just telling you that as your pastor who loves you. If you're, not, if you're trying to walk with Jesus and not pick up your cross and follow him, you're not going to make it. And I mean that very sincerely. You will not walk with Jesus the rest of your life. Times are coming. They're going to try men's souls. But for those that are abiding in the Lord, it ain't going to be no big deal. And I told you all about that dream I had last week where I was, I, I, I was captain in a ship and it was, the waters were as rough as I've ever been. I've been on lots of white water rafting trips. And I did the golly when they let the dam out. And it's all fives. And it was a blast. This made that look like still water. <laughs> what I saw in my dream where I was captaining this boat. I mean, the boat was flailing around. And it was, we were going down rapid after rapid after rapid. And I'm sitting there having the best time of my life. And that was a promise to the Lord that, that for me personally, that there would come a time when I was in leadership, captaining a ship, leadership, but it would be during the times of troubled waters. And the troubled waters were going to be great, but I was having fun. That's for us who are abiding in him. For, the, for those that are abiding in the Lord, our best time is before us. We're going to see signs, wonders, miracles. There's going to be such a, it's, there's going to be parties like what we're having here, but there's going to be miracles, signs, wonders. Best of all, the presence of the Lord is going to be near. We'll feel him and know him. But that's for those who go to Gilgal and get circumcised. And so um, I wanted to set this up a little better than I did today. That was my quick version, and I think it is pretty good. That was only about 20, 25 minutes. I don't think I preached without preaching an hour, so that's pretty good. Um, but Lord, give us the grace to abide in you, to stay in the Spirit when we do get out from under your wing and we begin to abide in the flesh. Lord, help us to recognize it quickly and repent and turn back from anger and, and bitterness and sins of the flesh and all the stuff that steals and robs from us, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm asking grace for you to, to do your work in us. Lord, just like I've been praying for you to just to deal with every, to search me. And she, I know you don't have to really search me because you know everything about me, but, Lord, reveal the, the wickedness and the things in me that need to change so that I can change. I'm asking that for this church too, Lord. I'm asking for my brothers and sisters here that we can get clean, that we would uh, come out and be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Father, we want to be pure and holy before you, not in our own goodness, not in our own works, not in our own righteousness. Lord, in your righteousness, in your goodness, we want to abide in you. And Lord, let your words abide in us so that we're prepared for these incredible days ahead when we're going to see the light shining brighter than it's ever shined and in the midst of a darkness that is darker than it's ever been. Lord, so we thank you that, for, that we have the promise in Isaiah 60 to rise and shine. Lord, are you telling us to rise and shine? And Lord, you promised that deep darkness was going to cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but your glory would appear on us and appear in us and the nations would stream to our light, the light of you living inside of us, Lord. So help us, Lord. We want you. We want your discipline. We want your correction. We want to be wise men, and the scripture says a wise man heeds correction. 
but a fool despises reproof. Lord, I don't want to be a fool anymore. I want to love your correcting. I want to love your instructing me and teaching me. And, and, and Lord, give me the humility and give us the humility to receive correction, even from the person that we think is not high enough to be correcting us. Because, Lord, you often send your donkeys to us to deal with us. So, Lord, give us the humility to hear your voice through whatever donkey you're speaking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.